The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It's Thursday, September 8th here. Um, it's in the future in Australia. Me and Peep, we're here chilling. She is ready to go. I also, I love how many people are so supportive of Peep now. And I do have another cat. His name's Freshbutt, but he's a little more quiet. But ever since I got bullied, I've found so many cat supporters and I love it. I know every week we seem to get more comments. Where's Peep? We want more Peep. <laughs> more Peep. She screamed in the last one, too, that came out today. So, Peep, whenever you're ready to um, state your opinion, we're ready to hear it. She, she's not ready yet. She's got some very important things she's working on. Yeah, she's thinking. <laughs> that big brain. Um, so, we got a really nice review. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got him. A mean review that said that they don't want to hear about our lives. So we're just going to go right into the episode. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, we have to talk about the weather, of course. Yeah, weather's warming up here. It's been lovely. It's like light jacket weather now, not coat weather. Just FYI, everyone. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's lovely. It's still kind of hot here most of the time. It's definitely mm. getting less hot. It rained for like a solid 24 hours, which maybe got us out of the drought because it literally hasn't rained here for like months. Hopefully that would be one good part of the rain and everything that comes with it. Yeah, so all the trees here are like already dying though because of the drought. So it's like 90 degrees, but like looks like fall. So mm. not great. Any um, new echidna sightings? No, I haven't seen him again. Oh, I, did, no. <laughs> I sent you a funny article the other day about an echidna. I should post it on the Instagram, but oh, an echidna yeah. who went in and trashed a hotel room apparently <laughs> and They're caused so thousands and thousands of dollars of damage. But no, I haven't seen him again. Maybe he's moved on. Maybe we'll get a new one, fingers crossed. <laughs> I guess don't, nice. don't let him inside. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> my my dogs cause enough damage. I can't even imagine having a disrespectful echidna in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm excited because it's thursday here so usually i have work tomorrow but i'm off tomorrow because um we're going to one of our good friends weddings in new york city which i hate going to the city but i'm really excited to go to the wedding because it's like at a nice place and they were saying had the food super good and i freaking love food so much <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a perfect day yeah i'll, I'll post lots of pics or mm. on my story or whatever <laughs> any big weekend plans for you coming up I'm actually going just away for one night. I'm taking the kids. We're going to my cousin's 40th birthday. Belate, well, it's a belated – it's actually her 46th birthday, but she never had a 40th, so this is her make-do 40th. <laughs> oh, nice. That'll be something nice, just a little bit different. Yeah, and how could we forget the Queen just died? I know. I can't believe it. I'm very sad. I was actually – before we started recording, I was just reading the news and I had to get out of it because it was making me too sad. So emotional. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I'm like, I literally don't give a fuck about the royal family. <laughs> Neither do I, really. It's just I really, really love the Queen. I feel like I, I don't know anything about any of them, really. Yeah, you probably don't want to know about a lot of them, especially Prince Andrew. Oh, uh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, and then Harry and Meghan and all that. Anyway, 
even we were talking in our in our true crime society group chat thing about how now like all our money is going to have to change because the queen is on basically I think all our money all our notes and our wow. coins so now it'll be prince charles or king charles the third I should say king charles on there when I saw then- they were like a statement from the king I was like who's the king they, they waste no time <laughs> like, I get it I get there's a protocol and a system and they've had this in place and ready for probably 50 years but like even I know that William and Kate's titles have now changed so like as soon as the queen was announced to have died all of it changed on social media they were yeah, ready crazy. and ready to go yeah big day Yes, a very, very big and kind of like obviously when I say unexpected, it shouldn't be because she was 96, but she seemed to be doing all right. But I guess, you know, when you're 96, things can happen in an instant, really. There's definitely a few times where we're like, oh, she's a goner. She's got COVID. She's got whatever. And you'd see her back out waving in the courtyard or whatever a few days later. And even I feel like she was seen in public, like literally maybe yesterday or the day before. So whatever happened. It was obviously quick, which I guess is how you want it to be in the end. You don't want to be suffering for months or years or whatever. So, yeah. anyway, it's a very yeah sad time, end of an era. Mm. Yeah, I don't have much to say on it besides. Hmm. <laughs> if anyone wants to chat about the Queen, feel free to send me a message because I love talking about it. <laughs> for me, it's The Bachelor. For Olivia, it's The Queen. <laughs> big uh, big range it was so weird like I know I just should stop talking about it because probably no one else wants to hear about it but I I am usually a very quite a heavy sleeper I sleep through the night I don't wake up but for some reason I woke up at 1 30 this morning and my mouth was so dry which was like just before the queen was announced to have passed away and I went into the chat and everyone was talking about it I'm like oh my gosh what is going on this wasn't happening when I went to bed so yeah very strange she must have called to you <laughs> My my soul sister, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> definitely. Are you going mm. to the funeral? Oh, flying I in. wish. <laughs> yeah, I wish that'd be nice. Maybe I'll get a special, you know, spiritual invite. <laughs> You'll get like a, your own motorcade as her soul sister. I actually have a friend who's on holiday over there at the moment, and one of my other friends wrote to her, and she's like, "Please, can you just buy me some Queen merch? Can you buy me a tea towel?" <laughs> Oh my god, the merch is always crazy whenever Lazzie just like sends it. Like, and like, you know, they do the teacups and those commemorative plates that you display yeah. in like a cabinet and thing like that. No one, no doubt they'll have all of that coming out the next. It's been stored and ready to go. Wow, it's so crazy. All right, well, before we get more bad reviews for chit-chatting, <laughs> um, we'll get on with it. We are talking about a case that probably no one's heard about, Eliza Fletcher. Just kidding, because everyone's <laughs> probably heard about it. It's been all over the news. Um, we posted about it a ton. It was a very short but very big Intense. national news case. Um, it was one of those ones that just kind of spread very quickly that everyone was very into. It's a very new case. Like It only started last Friday, and, and it's now Thursday there. So it's been kind of a week since it all started happening. We obviously weren't planning to do an episode on this, but we've thought it was an important story to tell and to let everyone know what happened in Eliza's case. Yeah, so not all the info is totally out yet. I'm assuming more will probably come out by the time this episode comes out, so we'll have to add in some clips at the end maybe if it's like something totally crazy one of us we can hop back on maybe so just uh keep that in mind. We'll probably have to add in some more stuff. Like we don't know her cause of death or anything like that yet. So all that could come out but we'll see and then it may, it may also not it may, may take them 
a while. Yeah, that so, depends. Yeah. If anything, if anything of interest or important, we can definitely add it in before the episode airs. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some updates. I guess you could call it updates or just more information that was sent to us about one of the cases we talked about in the last episode, um, Alanya Fruity Lenore. If you listen to that one, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But her friend that she was went to the apartment complex with before she vanished ended up um, speaking out about it and she kind of wrote like a whole post about what happened and like her account of the night so we'll go over that because it is actually pretty interesting it answers a lot of questions that we had so we'll talk about that at the end too all right so i guess we'll start with eliza you don't want to hear that that's going on um we want to find her Friends and family of 34-year-old Eliza Fletcher are searching for answers. Police say someone in this black SUV abducted her while she was running near Zach Herlin Street and Central Avenue around 4.30 Friday morning. She uh, uh, teaches and then she has two young boys that obviously um, we're worried about and just great lady, really the best mom. Hart Robinson is a friend of Fletcher's family. He said Fletcher regularly runs near the University of Memphis. The U of M asked MPD to assist in the case shortly after Fletcher was reported missing. After we actually found information and saw a video where somebody was abducted, then that's going to raise the alarm. Police say Fletcher's phone and water bottle were found in front of a house on Central Avenue that's owned by the university. Surveillance video in the area shows Fletcher running in the area wearing a pink sports top and blue shorts shortly before the incident. Robinson said they just want her to be found safe. If you know anything or saw anything early this morning, we're just asking for you to come forward and, um, and let help us. Eliza Fletcher, she is a mother of two who was abducted in Memphis, Tennessee on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. And just for reference, today is the 8th. So like we're saying, it's very, very fresh. So this case came to an end three days after she was abducted. So that's why we decided to kind of slot this in. We weren't originally planning on doing this episode now, but a lot of people wanted to kind of hear the full story because, you know, when something's so big and chaotic, you kind of lose like the whole story. So we'll get into all that. So Eliza, she was 34 years old when she was abducted. Um, It seems like she was born in 1987 and her name was Eliza Welford. Her parents are Adele and Beasley Welford. So on March 8th, 2014, Eliza married Richard Fletcher III and they were married at the Dixon Gallery and Garden and their wedding was featured in Memphis Magazine. We'll put all the info and photos from the article on the blog but just to give you a little info about it like an excerpt says i'm told our bride liza is a natural girl outdoorsy athletic and warm and the plans for her wedding emanated from her personality and style fortunately her gracious and loving parents adele and beasley welford were happy to be able to give their daughter the woodland themed wedding she envisioned seemed like a big to do it says touches of salvaged barnwood a cork bar copper containers Um, some of which were in the personal collection of Bolin, gave a rustic yet sophisticated and creatively subtle touch to decorations, petal tablecloths, um, pink tulips, tree trunk vases for a forest feel. They said it resembled um, Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream and then talks about all the really good food. So it seems like it was a very fancy ordeal. So if you want to read more about that, we'll put it on the blog because, you know, I love seeing what other people's weddings are like. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) So Eliza's family came from 
money. And this is relevant because it was initially thought that maybe that's why she was abducted, could have been a ransom situation, um, things like that. So her grandfather, the late Joseph Joe Orgel III, he died in 2018, but he ran Orgel Inc., which is a hardware supply company that currently employs more than 5,500 people. Um, Forbes listed the company as the 143rd largest private company in the country in 2021, raking in $3.2 billion in revenue that year. According to Historic Memphis, Orgel is the city's oldest running business founded in 1847. So a lot of the headlines when she was abducted focused on this because it is very clickbaity for one. They were all like, billionaire heiress abducted. Like, could it be for ransom? Just very um, clickbaity. Sensationalist, yeah. Yes, that's a good word for it. Very (laughs) movie-esque, basically. Yeah. So her husband, Richie, he works as a dealership manager for a Memphis boat center, and he was previously a Coast Guard mechanic, according to his LinkedIn page. Eliza was teaching junior kindergarten at St. Mary's Episcopal School at the time she disappeared. She also has two young sons named James and Harry. Eliza was fairly active on social media, and she'd written in the past about her love of true crime and podcasts. Um, one post said, long distance runners, what do you think is the best form of cross training? And she wrote, best podcast to listen to while running. I like Serial, Up and Vanished, and Dr. Death. I enjoyed The Happy Hour, and I'll have another. Um, She had another post then from December 29th, 2020, saying, hey, friends, looking for a good true crime podcast? Drop your favorites. So she was like one of our peeps. Here's a little clip of her talking to her students remotely via COVID that's come out just so you can get a little idea of her personality. Hey, girls, it's Miss Fletcher. So before we go, I wanted to remind you of something that we do at St. Mary's that's so special and that I miss a lot, so I wanna see if you can join in with me. We're gonna sing This Little Light of Mine, okay? Ready? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no! I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no! I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, shine all over St. Mary's school. I'm gonna let it shine, shine all over St. Mary's school. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Miss you girls. Now you need to let the light shine at your house. And I will see you later. But wait, one second. I heard somebody that you might want to meet. Janie, come here, girl. Come here, Janie. Come here, Janie. Hey, look, girls. This is Janie. And Janie is the girl in our house because there's two little boys and a Mr. Fletcher. And so there's just me and Janie. And I miss all of you girls so much. So we'll start with the day that Eliza was abducted now. It seems like she was a regular early morning jogger. Um, She was jogging early in the morning, maybe to beat the heat or just to like get ahead of the day. I wish I could work out in the morning, but whenever I try, I'm like, no, no. Yeah, I'm like back to bed. (laughs) Uh, It just seems like so much better to be able to get up and get it done though. So around 4 a.m. on September 2nd, Eliza began her regular jog and around 4.20 a.m., 
is when the nightmare started. So her abduction was caught on CCTV, which hasn't been made public, but police made the uh, this statement about what happened. They said officers were advised that a female was jogging in the area at approximately 4.20 a.m. when an unknown individual approached her. The female was reportedly forced into an SUV and taken from the scene. The suspect was possibly in a dark color SUV traveling westbound on Central. So it's believed that the SUV had been driving slowly around the area where Eliza was jogging and had pulled up ahead of her as if it was kind of like waiting for her to catch up. Um, So we've since learned that the vehicle stayed in that area for about four minutes after she was abducted. The affidavit in the case says that a man gets out, runs, quote, aggressively toward Fletcher and forces her into the passenger seat. During this struggle, there appeared to be a struggle. I know it's such a dumb sentence, but that's what it says. (laughs) I feel like it should be like during this altercation yeah or during the struggle there appeared to be an altercation or during this time there appeared to be a yeah struggle. yeah yeah but we're not here to nitpick <laughs> <laughs> around two hours after she was abducted at 6 45 a.m a cyclist named miles fortis came across eliza's discarded phone he somehow knew it was hers um like and was familiar with the family maybe it had her picture or family yeah, picture that's what on i was it. thinking it might have on her lock screen or something it might have had a family photo yeah, so he ended up knowing them, and um, he took the phone back to the family. I, we don't know if they even knew she was missing at this point, but it would make sense because it was so early that they probably didn't really know what was going on yet. It could have been anything like maybe, for example, Eliza would go for a jog and then go straight to work, and the husband would get the kids ready for the day. So it yeah. doesn't seem like they knew that she was missing or were particularly concerned up until this point publicly anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> Miles also found a pair of Champion brand slides, sandals, near the phone, and this will come back around later. So just remember that. (laughs) When Miles returned the phone to Eliza's home, her husband Richie reported her missing at 7 a.m. on September 2nd. Or maybe he was even like, knew she wasn't there, but like like we've said before, you don't automatically expect like she's been abducted. Me thought she had to do a quick errand or something. Maybe she would get a coffee sometimes. They could be you know, a multitude of reasons why she was a little bit late, essentially. Yeah. So police launched a search for Eliza very quickly, and the FBI became involved straight away. Um, And they said it was due to the proximity of her disappearance uh, close to state lines. The school where Eliza worked released a statement... Dear St. Mary's community, it's with a heavy heart that I share that our JK teacher, Eliza Fletcher, has been reported kidnapped early this morning near the University of Memphis. We join the Fletcher and Welford families in praying for Eliza's safety. Our first priority is caring for your girls and our faculty and staff. We are making every effort to continue our school day routine. At the same time, we are supporting our faculty and staff by bringing in additional support from across our campus. We have not told our younger students about Mrs. Fletcher. We are supporting the older students as they learn of this news. Our counselors and chaplains are available to support you and your daughters in navigating these conversations. Thank you for your continued support and prayers. So, Police were seen searching Eliza's family home on Friday afternoon. They towed away her vehicle. Um, one officer was seen leaving with a pair of like garden shears or like pruners. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen them online referred to as shears. They like got the two kind of handles that you'd open and shut to cut like branches and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've always people say shears. I think like scissors, but oh, so I would say I would call them garden shears. I don't know though. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, you so you probably used to like prune some hedges. Yeah, prune. Yeah. <laughs> so the seemingly thorough search of her home 
immediately started a bunch of rumors. People started casting suspicious suspicion on her husband. There were a lot of rumors at the time about what possible motive the husband could have had to stage Eliza's abduction. There's rumors about affairs, drugs, etc. Um, stuff that is irrelevant now, but that's what was going on at the time. I feel like this is one of the cases where it really brought out the best but also the worst in the true crime community. There was a lot of rumors, a lot of slander, you know, basically people just speculating things that ended up absolutely not being true. So, um, yeah. I mean, as far as we know, on. they're not true anyways. But well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the Could he be having an crime, affair? We don't know. He could be, but... yeah. And they, like we don't know about his personal life, but I think it means in terms of what actually ended up happening to Eliza, it didn't end up being true in terms of speculation. Yeah, there's tons of slander online, tons that he was having an affair with like the nanny and people were like doxing this random girl basically. It was yeah. a big mess and that's kind of I know we've said it in a few episodes, like, even though it seems obvious, you can't just, like, jump to these conclusions and you just need to be careful what you say. It's one thing to say, like, in private, like, if me and Olivia are chatting privately, but you just, like, can't blast that shit all over the internet. And even we had people sending us messages telling us very personal stuff about the family. Obviously, we didn't share it because I have no way to know if it's true and it was irrelevant to the case anyway, but yeah, just, it just seemed like... Yeah, everyone had their fingers in the pie for this one, essentially. Yeah, especially if, which I think is will end up being what happens, the husband had literally nothing to do with it. So he's already a victim enough already. We don't need like all the online slander and rumors about him. Yeah. So yeah, kind of the, the shitty side of the true crime world. So on the day she disappeared, Eliza's family offered a $50,000 award for information that led to the police to suspects and along with that they released like a little statement and just said we look forward to Eliza's safe return and hope that this award will help police capture those who committed this crime so then on September 3rd which is the day after she vanished her family released more of a bigger statement like a video statement and my name is Mike Keeney and I'm the uncle of Liza Fletcher on behalf of Liza's family her husband Richie her children her mom Adele her father Beasley her brother Gil, and all the members of her family. We want to make a brief statement. We want to start by thanking everyone for their prayers and outpouring of support. Liza has touched the hearts of many people, and it shows. We want to thank the Memphis Police Department, Shelby County Sheriff Department, TBI, FBI, and all of the other law enforcement agencies who are working tirelessly to find Liza. The family has met with police, and we have shared with them all the information we know. More than anything, we want to see Liza returned home safely. The family has offered a reward for any information that leads to her safe return. We believe someone knows what happened and can help. If you have any information on this crime or Liza's location, call the police at 901-545-COPS or call Crime Stoppers at 901-528-CASH. Thank you. So around the same time the family released the video, Memphis police announced that they had found the suspect's SUV and also detained the man who was driving it, Ian Ripple, who is um, one of the reporters who tweeted a lot about this case. He's like the Brian Enton of the case. <laughs> um, he tweeted, Eliza Fletcher's scene where the vehicle police were looking for had a wreck with another vehicle. Residents tell me it wrecked with an ATF vehicle. 
One person is detained and police are investigating around an apartment complex in southeast Memphis. So there's pictures of just the car. It's got its um, front bumper pushed in like they rear-ended someone or something. A little bit pushed in. So a woman who lives in the apartment complex near where the SUV was found posted photos showing crime scene tape around the grounds and a pond and wrote, it's yellow tape everywhere. Now it's two tow trucks and an ambulance over here. Um, Social media comments indicated that the apartment complex is called Lakes at Ridgeway, and it's about 15 to 20 minutes away from where she was abducted. Memphis PD did not release any info about the suspect for a while after they detained him. But at 4 a.m. on September 4th, which is like two days after she was abducted, police announced that a man named Cleotha Abston had been charged with aggravated kidnapping. So they tweeted the Memphis Police Department. They tweeted, update the individual who was detained has been officially charged in connection with the abduction of Eliza Fletcher. At this point in the investigation, Cleotha Abstin, 38, has been charged with especially aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence. As a side note, just like relevant but also not relevant, Cleotha's brother Mario was also charged, not with anything directly related to Eliza, but just stuff that was discovered during the investigation. So... An article said a second individual currently not believed to be connected to Fletcher's abduction was also arrested during this investigation. Mario Abstin, 36, was charged with possession of a controlled substance with intent to manufacture and sell fentanyl, possession of a controlled substance with intent to manufacture and sell heroin, and convicted felon in possession of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. So seems like two not great brothers. Yeah. There are some rumors on this day that clothing belonging to Eliza had been found in a McDonald's dumpster that hasn't been confirmed or denied yet. I feel like it's probably not true based on what they've now said they found when they found her body. But yeah, like they, they were looking up- around there for yeah. some reason. And though. I feel like they did put up crime scene tape and a McDonald's employee said that it was the clothing matched what Eliza had been wearing. So it doesn't really matter anyway, essentially now, but it was just kind of another piece to the puzzle at the time. Yeah, just everyone was, like, losing their minds. Yeah. Um, so ABC24 journalist Ian Ripple tweeted photos from that scene. He said, now there is a large police presence at the shopping center a few miles from the apartment complex where a vehicle matching the description was towed. Can't confirm relation to Eliza Fletcher investigation. Some of these officers were also searching Overton Park last night. We quickly learned that Cleotha had been had a serious criminal history. He had been involved in another abduction in 2000. This is a 2001 article about the case from Memphis Flyer. It says 16 months after he was kidnapped at gunpoint and thrown into the trunk of his car, attorney Kemper Durand watched with some regret last week as two juveniles involved in the case were given prison sentences. Duren was walking to his car around 2 a.m. on May 25, 2000, after attending a party on Beale Street when a lone gunman walked up behind him, took his wallet, and forced him into the trunk. The abductor, Cleotha Abstin, drove around and picked up friends then. After about two hours, escorted Duren into a MAPCO station to withdraw money from an ATM, and luckily for him, a uniformed Memphis Housing Authority officer entered, and Duren yelled that he'd been kidnapped and the kidnappers ran away. So on Monday, Cleotha pled guilty just before he was scheduled to go to trial and was sentenced to 20 years in prison without parole. He had either turned down an offer of 15 years on the same charge, but according to Durand, 
told the court he did not want to sign his name giving himself the time. Cleotha has a long juvenile record of theft and aggravated assault. So definitely a big red flag that he has abducted a random person before. Um, Interesting it was a male. And interesting that he just kept him in the trunk of his car for two hours and drove around with friends. Very weird. Like, I wonder what the psychology behind that is. Yeah, and it's we're getting to it at the end too, but it's even more interesting because the uh, Camper Durand has a very loose connection to Eliza as well. So, um, hmm. yeah, interesting. So even before then, Cleotha had faced numerous charges as a juvenile, including an accusation of rape, according to court documents obtained by the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Um, he had a lengthy history in the juvenile court system prior to his conviction for kidnapping, the earliest of which dated back to 1995. And he was no older than 12 years old. He also appeared in juvenile court records in 1996, 1997, 1998, and 1999 for charges including theft, aggravated assault, aggravated assault with a weapon, and rape. So it seems like he is a bad guy. And all of that when he was a juvenile as well. So, you know... Yeah, there was a lot going on when he was growing up, it seems. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, September 4th, the affidavit, the affidavit in the case was released. Um, we have a blog on Eliza, and the whole thing is on there if you want to read the whole thing. But this, these are just some highlights from it. Police said a man was riding his bike down Central Avenue at 6.45 a.m. when he found Fletcher's cell phone and a pair of Champion brand sandals. The items were later turned over to Memphis Police for analysis. Police said surveillance footage showed a man violently and quickly approach Fletcher before forcing her into the passenger side of a GMC terrain with passenger side taillight damage. According to police records, the vehicle sat in the parking lot for four minutes before driving away. Records also state that the GMC terrain in question was seen 24 minutes before the abduction and surveillance footage. The TBI performed DNA tests on the slides, and they found that they belonged to Cleotha Abstin after his information matched that in CODIS, which is the Combined DNA Index System database. So those were the sandals that we were talking about, how um, that other biker or runner found. found them. I had seen some rumors, too, that people were saying Eliza had been running in those slides, which I don't think was true no at all. No, it was yeah. these were Cleotha's slides. Yeah, like at first, like before everything came out, you would assume they were maybe her shoes, but then you're like, why would she be running in those? It was actually his shoes that he must have lost during the struggle and didn't go back for, um, which is good because turned up Extra piece DNA evidence, and CODIS. Yeah. yeah, Investigators managed to recover the surveillance footage showing Cleotha wearing the same slides days bef- like a few days before the abduction. In addition, investigators were able to find his cell phone number and were able to determine his phone was in the vicinity of the abduction approximately the same time it happened. When authorities arrived at Cleotha's last known address, they found the GMC terrain in question with passenger side taillight damage backed into a parking space. When he saw authorities, he was standing in a doorway and immediately tried to run, but he was eventually captured by the U.S. Marshals. Investigators also interviewed a woman who said after the abduction, Cleotha was behaving in an odd manner. The witness advised investigators he was in a strange mood and vigorously cleaning the interior of his car with carpet cleaner, as well as washing his clothes in the house's sink. After after his arrest, he refused to provide Eliza's location. So it seems like they really nailed it on him. Like His phone was in the vicinity. His shoes were there. matched his DNA that his car was at his house so it really they really got him so according to police records uh quote 
As the abduction was violent with, as captured on video, the suspect waiting for, then rushing towards the victim, then forcing the victim into the vehicle where she was confined and removed and continues to be missing, it's believed and supported by the facts and physical evidence that she suffered serious injury. Further, it is probable and apparent from witness statements that these injuries left evidence, e.g. blood in the vehicle that the defendant cleaned. So police conducted many searches for Eliza. They towed away a dumpster that was near Mario's house. Yeah, so all this happened at Mario's house. I don't even know where Cleotha lived, essentially. But he took the car back to Mario's complex to clean it. So maybe he was living with him. And, I don't know, yeah. Like that. yeah. He was probably throwing away, like, if he was scrubbing the car with, like, rags and stuff, probably threw them yeah. out so this could still have, like, evidence on them. Yeah. Cleotha's bail was set at $500,000 on Sunday, which would mean that he'd have to post $50,000 to be released from jail. So there's pictures of the dumpster being towed away and all that that'll be on the blog. So on Monday, September 5th, things started to really ramp up at this point. Police started setting up crime scene tape. Police said at 5.07 p.m., officers in the 1600 block of Victor located a deceased party the identity of this person and the cause of death is unconfirmed at this time. The investigation is ongoing. Once additional information is available, we'll provide an update. So the body was not confirmed at that time to be Eliza, but all signs pointed to it being her. But the Memphis the Memphis PD said they would not make any further any further comments about the identification of the body on that night. Police discovered the body of Eliza Fletcher Monday in a grassy lot behind a vacant duplex, roughly seven miles from where the kindergarten teacher and mother of two was last seen. According to an affidavit, tire tracks and an odor of decay led officers to the gruesome discovery. Also recovered, a trash bag containing purple shorts, like the ones Fletcher was last seen wearing. While the outcome of this investigation is not what we hoped for, we are nonetheless pleased to remove this dangerous predator off the streets of Memphis. You're charged with especially aggravated kidnapping. So early on Tuesday, September 6th, the Memphis PD announced, made the announcement that confirmed that Eliza had been found. Cleotha was additionally charged with first-degree murder and first-degree murder in the perpetration of kidnapping. The police also said at this time that it's too early in the investigation to confirm Eliza's cause of death. And as we mentioned earlier, it still hasn't been confirmed a few days after she's been found. I guess it will depend on the condition of her body as to how long that might take. The school where Eliza taught released this statement and said, we are heartbroken at the loss of our beloved teacher, colleague and friend, Liza Fletcher. Our hearts are with the Fletcher, Orgill and Welford families. So they released a nice photo of her smiling um, very sad for all the students. Yeah, that must be so traumatic and they're young kids. I can't even imagine trying to explain this to young kids, you know, little kindergartners about what's happened to the yeah. teacher. Very sad. Eliza's family also released a statement. They said, we are heartbroken and devastated by this senseless loss. Liza was such a joy to so many. Her family, friends, colleagues, students, parents, members of her second Presbyterian church congregation and everyone who knew her. Now it's time to remember and celebrate how special she was and to support those who cared so much for her. So on that same day, we also learned some more information about how Eliza was discovered after another affidavit was released. This info um, about the affidavit is from WREG. 
It says several law enforcement agencies were conducting a search from East Person Avenue to Victor Street based on data uncovered by the FBI. One of the officers noticed tire tracks in the grass near an abandoned home. Records indicate officers also smelled the odour of decay. They found a body of a woman, later identified as Eliza, next to a set of steps near the driveway on the side of the house. They also found her purple running shorts in a discarded trash bag around 100 feet north of the scene. Surveillance videos also revealed that the suspect's vehicle was in the area on Friday at around 5.48am. In the video, you can see Cleotha get out of the SUV and go to his trunk. It's unclear what he's doing, but shortly after, he goes inside the apartment with what appears to be something in his hand. He came out minutes later and immediately walks to the passenger side of the SUV where he spends more than an hour. Witnesses said he was cleaning out the vehicle. So if she was abducted at 4.20 and he is, you know, in the area at 5.48, it was a very, like an hour it seems like, and it was over basically. Yeah. So the mayor of Memphis, Mayor Jim Strickland, released this statement on September 6. He said, there is evil in this world. My heart breaks for Eliza and her family, all victims of evil. So we're at kind of yesterday now, Wednesday, September 7. A judge revoked Cleotha's bond. Cleotha also told the judge on this day that he wanted to be known from, you know, here on in as Cleotha Henderson. So if you're wondering why there's two separate names in reporting, that's why his name was changed on Wednesday to Cleotha Henderson. But we don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. That it's weird. Name. Because his yeah. brother has the same last name. Like I get brothers can have different last names, but. I, I feel know. like I've spent way too long thinking about this because I'm like, is is, he, is Henderson his legal name? If not, why are they calling him by him? I, I, I was too because I was like, well, his brother has the same last yeah. name. So, And I, like every article I've read, you know, it's only been a day, but every article I've read about it has said that he said he prefers to be known as Cleotha Henderson. So. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Cleotha also appeared in court today, which is Thursday, September 8. His attorney is a woman named Jennifer Case. She asked the judge, Louis Montesi, to review her involvement in the case amid a conflict of interest concern. So she is a public defender who's been appointed to the case. Yeah. Um, she said that she'd actually represented Cleotha in a criminal matter in the early 2000s, but the judge said that didn't really matter and Jennifer could proceed as Cleotha's attorney. She's probably like, damn it. <laughs> um, she also requested a gag order in the case and she said this because the Memphis police chief, CJ Davis, had called Cleotha publicly a dangerous predator. However, prosecutors argue that the public should be continued to be informed about this case. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of kind of court proceedings ongoing put on some um, clips. I'm not entirely sure what the kind of – map of his court proceedings will look like when he will go to trial or what will happen ongoing we'll have to just keep you updated as those things happen essentially because it's such a new case i feel like he he probably won't but i feel like he should definitely take a plea deal if offered one because there's so much evidence against him he's caught yeah. on surveillance everywhere his phone was there like his car was there doing sketchy shit all over and also because he got out of jail i know earlier on his on his previous charges i just feel like they will absolutely not be Lenient, you wouldn't think, yeah. yeah. I guess who even knows anymore? Okay, so he is due again in court on September 19, so around 11 days, and he will not be able to bond out before that or at this time. So we'll have to keep you updated as things happen with that. On um, Thursday, Eliza's family also released her obituary. It's quite long, but I feel like it's important to read it. So I'll just go through it and I'll put it up on the blog if you want to have a look at all the condolences and things like that that people are leaving as well. 
It says, Eliza Liza Welford Fletcher, 34, went home to her saviour on September 2, 2022. She was born November 9, 1987 in Memphis to adoring parents Adele and James Beasley. Following graduation from the Hutchison School in 2006, Liza played soccer for the University of Memphis and she later completed her undergraduate education at Baylor University. She received a master's degree in teaching from Belmont University. She devoted her work and boundless childlike energy to her students at Promise Academy and later her junior kindergarten students at St. Mary's Episcopal School. As with everything Liza took on, she nurtured and cared for her students with her whole heart. A strong believer in the importance of personal growth, she was not afraid to be vulnerable. To the contrary, she embraced it. A born athlete, Liza's passion for sports extended from childhood teams to collegiate competition to excellence in marathons in adulthood. She found great joy in her morning runs with friends. She channeled her competitive nature into enthusiastic participation in all that she undertook. She truly walked and modelled the Christian life and trusted in her unwavering faith. Liza was a light to all who knew her. Her contagious smile and laughter could brighten any room. Liza was pure of heart and innocent in ways that made her see the very best in everyone she met. To know her was to love her and to be loved by her. Her impact is extraordinary as it is witnessed in prayer groups, vigils held at the homes of friends and family, church and school gatherings, and memorial runs and walks held in her honour. The outpouring of love and grief would have surprised Liza, who never thought or acted as if she was anything special, though she certainly was. Above all else, Liza's most cherished role was that of wife and mother. After meeting at the Second Presbyterian Church, she married her beloved husband, Richard, on March 8, 2014, and they later welcomed their two rambunctious, joyful boys, Richard, James, and Harry. She loved her family fiercely and unconditionally. Together as a family, they enjoyed outdoor adventures, including boating, water sports, hiking, running, and biking. She was deeply admired by her friends and family for her passionate dedication to motherhood. So then it just goes into her family and kind of the funeral details, which I believe will be held on Saturday. So Yeah, I just actually got a tweet alert that said, uh, funeral service are set for Saturday, September 10th, 2022 at 10 a.m. at Second Presbyterian Church at 4055 Poplar Avenue. And it looks like, too, her family has set up a memorial fund. It says the family requests that memorials be made to the Liza Welford Fletcher Memorial Fund at St. Mary's Episcopal School, Christ Methodist Day School and Second Presbyterian Church. And they also quote Psalm 51.12 and it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold in me a willing spirit. So they're very gracious in their kind of memories of Liza and even in terms of acknowledging the public and the things that the public have done in Eliza's memory in her obituary, which is a nice, um, you know, they didn't have to do that, but it was nice of them to kind of acknowledge what people have been doing to honour her. Yeah. So that is kind of it up to date for Eliza's case. Obviously, things are going to keep happening. So we may have to do another follow up episode or, you know, but we'll keep you updated as little pieces come out on our blog and on our Instagram. And if anything small but relevant happens, we'll put in a clip here to update. New tonight at 10, the man accused of kidnapping and killing Eliza Fletcher is facing three new criminal charges tonight. The charges are from another case in 2021. In this case, he's facing charges for aggravated rape, 
kidnapping and unlawful possession of a gun. Memphis police confirm a sexual assault report was taken on September 21 of 2021. The sexual assault kit was submitted to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations two days later on September 23rd of last year, but that kit was not tested until he was connected to Eliza Fletcher's disappearance. In a statement from the TBI, the TBI says that they do accept rush DNA cases when requested by a local investigative agency like what happened in the Eliza Fletcher case, but they also describe a staffing shortage. Only four scientists are assigned to that unit, which has created a long turnaround time and an extreme backlog of untested rape kits. Now, the TBI says that they're looking to add to their staff and are committed to improving the process for stakeholders, including victims and survivors. Like, I think one of the biggest questions that we've had from our followers, and I think a lot of people generally have the question about how did Eliza die? What was her cause of death? Um, do you have any theories or um, what do you think happened? It seems like it was very quick. If he sat there with her in the car for four minutes. I feel he probably must have strangled her or something equivalent, unless he did have a weapon on him. I haven't heard anything about a weapon, which also makes me think maybe it was strangulation or something like that yeah i don't know if it happened if he like like accidentally kind of strangled her to death in the car right there because in an hour right an hour-ish it seemed like he was already dumped the body yeah and i feel like she was quite petite i don't know his stats but he i think would obviously have been bigger than her um so maybe he just actually really physically overpowered her she was not expecting it. He jumped out, grabbed her, pushed her into the car, and they had a struggle for it's, it. I, I still can't quite picture how it happened. If he shoved her into the passenger seat, I guess the child lock could have been on. You know, like it just seems he would still have to go around and hop in the driver's seat. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, I feel like he must have strangled her unconscious at least or something. or To put her in the car. Yeah, unless he had a weapon and, like, threatened her with the weapon. But we, we don't know that yet. Um, I asked our followers on Instagram if they had any kind of thoughts or questions about the case. And S. Garcia said, what do you think he did to her in the four minutes before driving off? So I feel like it was that was likely that he somehow rendered her immobile. Um, yeah, God, so she's not going to run out of the car and make a scene. Yeah. Um, and the other thing which I found more disheartening, which I don't even know if it can get more disheartening in a case like this, is that her shorts were found off her body. So I hope that she wasn't sexually abused, but why yeah. else would her shorts have not been on her, essentially? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times it's kind of the reason for abducting, like a yeah. man abducting a female or something like that, which I thought was interesting that at first, the other time he abducted a male, like maybe for him it's more just like the power struggle and like how he just kept him in the back, I mean, in the trunk while I like drove around with friends, like maybe he just like gets off on like being like, hmm, I have this guy in the trunk who's like, that guy was, um, I don't remember what his job was, but he had like a pretty like powerful He was an attorney. He was yeah, an right? attorney, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that he probably like got off on that being like, hmm, I have an attorney in my trunk. I mean, because he's probably hasn't had the best times with attorneys with all of his juvenile um, crimes. And I guess, too, this kind of all ties in. We asked a question, I think it was might have been when Eliza was still missing, about if we thought this was a targeted abduction or a random abduction. And I feel like, if I remember rightly, I think 65% of people said they believed it was targeted, maybe because of her money. 
Um, but I pers- I feel like it's a was this was a random thing. Yeah. It could have been targeted in that he knew her routine. Right. But I don't think that he targeted her to make a ransom demand or, and it didn't happen. I feel like he targeted her for the purpose of killing her and whatever else he did. Um, I don't think that the money was a motive to target her. Yeah, I feel like it was like a random target, if that makes sense. Like maybe he had seen her dragging before. Yeah. And, and like I also feel like out there. when it when they said he drove around the area for half an hour or whatever it was and he pulled up, he knew what he was going to do. Like he waited there for her to get to the car and then he jumped down and grabbed her. So um, it was targeted in that sense mm-hmm. that he spent some time thinking about it and some time planning it. But, yeah. Yeah. And I know it's this is going to be another one where I, I think I talked about in the last episode or the one before that where I'm – sure oh i talked about with the kylie one i'm sure there's going to be so many conspiracies still on like tiktok online people who just like want the clout and views because there's still people out there being like trying to say with no idea really saying like oh well me the husband did drugs and like the brother was a drug dealer and then they worked on this like together and they put out this hit on her like there's gonna be all these crazy stories but i personally don't see any of that being true one of the kind of bigger conspiracies, and we touched on it briefly before, is that the man that Cleotha abducted in 2000 was an attorney and that man worked for a firm with Eliza's uncle. I don't know if it's the uncle who made the video plea, but I believe it possibly is. So everyone's like, wow, they are connected. How could he have abducted two people who knew the same person? Um I feel like that's giving Cleotha way too much credit. Yeah, and I also feel like, like, exactly, and it's such a loose connection as well. Like, obviously, Eliza's family, you know, are wealthy. They have money. He abducted an attorney previously. Like, I feel like it's not unreasonable to believe that they would be somehow socially connected or, you know, through employment either way. I just feel like they're in the same circle. That's yeah. the only real connection. And I, I feel like it is probably just a coincidence. I, I agree. I feel like there is no way Cleotha studied who Eliza was, found someone who had a random connection to the guy he abducted in 2000. And that, that man has since passed away of natural causes anyway. So that, that man isn't alive any longer. I just feel yeah. like it's such a reach to think that she was targeted for that reason. No, I agree. And I've seen people from the area message us and say like, yeah, her family is, like, super rich, but, like, that doesn't mean she was necessarily super rich. Like, sure, she maybe knew, like, she'd have a inheritance or something. And, like, yes, she drove an expensive car, but she was still, like, working as a teacher and they're still working. It's not like she was just living this, like, lavish, luxurious lifestyle. No. And even when they, like, all the headlines are, like, billionaire heiress, she isn't the only heiress. There's a lot of grandchildren in that family. Like, this wasn't even yeah. her father's money. Like, essentially, probably, do you know what I mean? Like, I know mm-hmm. it passes down, but her grandfather was the one who earned the money. There was a whole bunch of family members this had to be split against. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sure I, she has money, yeah. but it's not like she's, like, just this got tons oil of money. Heiress and, or something. Yeah. 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 And just flaunting her wealth and making herself an obvious target. Like she was a pre-K teacher. So we actually had – I've only posted it up a few minutes before we started recording and we've actually had a lot of comments. So I'll post them up on the Instagram too. Things like, do we know why he took her, rape, robbery or hired? I really feel like this was just a random evil abduction for maybe purposes of rape, maybe purposes just of murder. We won't know until they release her cause of death. Mm-hmm. Um 
it's funny as well. One other comment that comes up a lot too is stop victim blaming. Sick of people oh, yeah. saying she shouldn't have run in the dark. Why was she out running at 4.30 a.m.? How stupid. What a dangerous thing to do. Whereas a lot of people are sick of that narrative and why shouldn't women be able to go for a run in the morning if they want, um, mm-hmm. which comes up a lot. And absolutely, I agree with that. It's sad that women have to be scared to do so many things alone and that we have to feel like we have to protect ourselves all the time. It's like why I don't like doing anything by myself, really, because I hear all these stories. But it's she should there shouldn't be a reason why she can't go jogging at 4 a.m. Like it's 4 a.m. It should be the same as 4 p.m. Yeah. I've seen so many comments too about change the narrative. The narrative shouldn't be why was she jogging at 4.30 a.m. This should be stop murdering women. Why is this women. guy a psychopath? Yeah. yeah. Why, like why stop murdering women? Stop abducting women. So yeah. It's- like what makes this dude feel so entitled to ruin this Eliza's life, to literally take her life, murder her, ruin her family's lives? Like what makes this guy feel like he should be doing that or like – is that entitled to take someone else's life? Why? Yeah. And there's just so many comments along those lines. Like the amount of people talking about her actions being to blame, it's infuriating, which I agree. And I think a lot of people in this case feel like they can relate to Eliza. Like she was a mother. She liked true crime. She was just trying to go for a run to fit everything in her day. And we've had so many people who say, that's the time I run at. That's the only time I can run at you know, I, or that's the time I go to the gym or whatever. So I feel like a lot of people really relate to her and she was just minding her own business, out for a run, and in the end some creep took advantage of her and took her life away from her and her children. So um, I feel like that might be why, why so many people, women especially, are invested in this case. Yeah, that's true. It's very like she could have been anyone because it just yep. seems like it was random. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, sometimes you see – other crimes and you're like that there's an explanation for it and almost a reasoning whereas there's nothing in this case there Mm -hmm. was no reason or need for this to happen yeah it's always just going to come down to this guy's piece of shit yeah um we did also have quite a lot of questions about their personal life one of them like one said we need clarity on the husband nanny rumors and then there was also a rumor that her husband had an addiction issue um we can't really provide clarity on that it may have been true. I feel like maybe like there is a possibility that the husband had an affair. We have no idea, obviously, but I feel like in this case it has nothing to do with Eliza's murder. So it no, essentially so doesn't no sense really in, like speculating speculate. about it. It's like it's so easy for just one person to say that factually or like what they think and then another person to just like say like oh well I heard someone said this and I heard this and then it just turns into like this is a fact, but it it was never a fact. I feel like the husband nanny thing kind of came up because it was a theory early on, especially after the shears were taken from the house. I don't think people really suspected the husband at all until mm-hmm. they saw these photos of the house. Like, why are they towing her it car when she was still. she was abducted from somewhere else? Why are they taking these garden shears? And everyone, that's when the kind of speculation about Richie started and that one of the theories was that he was having an affair with this nanny and that he had hired someone or set up Eliza's abduction to get rid of her so he, I guess he could be with the nanny. Um, yeah. it doesn't seem to me like that. I would be very, very shocked if that comes out to be the outcome. I really feel like Cleotha did this off, of his own accord. Yeah. Like it seems weird that they did such a hardcore search on the house so quickly and like took her car and stuff. Cause even to me, like looking at the time, I'm like, Hmm, that's weird. I wonder if they know something, but I guess at the time it's like, they know nothing essentially. So they have to 
obviously a lot of times the husband or spouse is one of the first <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like this goes against our narrative of it's always the husband because yeah. if, if they didn't conduct those searches, we'd be like, wow, what's happening? Why aren't they? Like they've really dropped the ball. Um, yeah, so I guess like it's they have a- to cancel it like, What's the? I don't know. I can. They have to narrow him. Yeah, narrow rule him down. Out. Rule him out. Yeah, I don't know why I could not think of that. They have to rule him out as a suspect and just maybe like taking the car, like kind of taking stuff from the house, see who she was communicating with. Because a lot of like a random abduction like this is more rare than it being someone like she knew. Yeah, I heard a stat the other day, and I think we've spoken about it before too. It's like sixty-five percent of women who are murdered are murdered by their partner or their kind of intimate partner. Mm-hmm. So obviously they wish they should have looked there first. And I'm, you know, they did. And once they did that though, that's when everything went a bit crazy. I did get a we did get a message, I think it might have been on Instagram, from someone about the garden shears. And they said basically that they believed that the shears were actually taken by the police into the house to collect evidence. So if they needed to clip something or cut carpet or whatever, something <laughs> like that. I feel that, like they would have better tools. I know. It seems very weird, but I guess it could be an explanation. And it would also explain because the police officer is literally, when he leaves the house, he's holding the shears kind of with the shears True, pointing down. True, it's not down. bagged or anything. No, and in, and in his other hand, he has a brown paper bag that looks like it's sealed. So mm. um, it could have just been a police tool. I don't know. But I feel like the shears were the thing that set everyone off. Yeah, it's, it was super weird, but it's true because like if they're looking for blood or anything like that, they'll like cut out a piece of the carpet or something. Like, yeah. I feel like surely they would have something better than use to use. They need shears. to put but like a police knows. decal on that shit to <laughs> stop this. Um, so I think that's kind of the general theme of the questions that we've got. People wanting to know the motive, wanting to know how she passed away um, and if it was targeted or not seems to be the kind of main things. Yeah. So one thing that has come out of Eliza's case, I guess it's put a spotlight on Memphis and how apparently dangerous Memphis is. There was actually a shooting incident yesterday, which we debated talking about, but there's not quite enough information. But basically a guy went live on Facebook, went on a shooting rampage. I believe four people are dead and three others were injured. So like there's a lot going on in Memphis at the moment. I had a look. Um, The Memphis violent crime rate is 857 where the US average is 22.7. Memphis property crime is 81.1. The US average is 35.4. And in 2021, Memphis was ranked as the most dangerous city in the USA, um, which is a sad stat. Like everyone is like, wow, where she was found is such a dangerous area where the car was, you know, it's, it's, I've just seen so many comments along those lines in terms of Eliza's case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like it's, quite out of control there. Um, I did see an article from this year. It says that there's been a 6.1% drop in violent crime in Memphis this year, but crime overall rose by 8.2%. So it seems like it's going to be a hard battle for them to win to get it under control there. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, So I guess that's really it for that. So we did have a little bit more of information about Alanya Lenore to talk about too. So it seems like Tori went on Instagram and kind of posted an account of what happened that night. So Tori is the friend, just as like a brief recap, (laughs) as a brief recap, Alanya and her friend Tori went and met up with two guys at an apartment complex. Uh, Tori ended up leaving around midnight Alanya, I guess, stayed 
Um, but basically, Alanya was never seen leaving the apartment and then she was missing. So a lot of people were questioning the friend, like what happened? So she, this is what she wrote. It's kind of long, but I feel like it answers a lot of questions we had. So I'm just going to. Especially because there was so little information. Yeah. Like, I think we haven't said in the episode, we have no idea what actually transpired that night. So yeah. So this gives a lot of info that I think people will want to hear. Uh, okay. So it's n- not like super well written so just bear with me (laughs) um okay so she wrote i didn't think i would have to address the internet but let's discuss july 30th contrary to the internet's belief i have not been hiding nor am i on the run i have absolutely nothing to hide or run from this entire case was started and has all the information it does because of me let's first begin with the fact that these men were indeed not random men to alanya she had been there alone for months and they had always ubered her home she told me and Alanya had asked me to take her there. She wanted to hang out with them. That was my first time meeting these men. And many asked why I was comfortable, quote, leaving her there. Well, I didn't leave her. Alanya was offered a ride home from me about three times and she declined. She said she was going to leave at three to go home and watch King. I think that's her brother. And that Stephen or Deontay was going to get her an Uber. Stephen or Deontay. Stephen and Deontay are the men that they were hanging out with at the apartment. And I trusted that considering they've already gotten her home that way and she knew the men and was going there before by herself. I didn't once think that something negative was going to come out of that night. Had I felt like something was going to happen if I left her by herself, then I would have I would have drugged her out by her hair, whether she wanted to leave or not. And if these were random men to her, I would not have left her alone. And many ask what prompted me to leave. Well, to be utterly blunt, I was sitting alone in the living room, no TV or music, and all I heard was sex sounds. And I don't know about y'all, but me personally, I don't want to hear that. So when I had realized that the party was over, I was ready to go. When one of my friends said they were able to get me, I had sent Alanya a text because she was in the room with Deontay and had been asking if and had been asking if she wanted to leave with me. When they were done, they had come out, and we then began planning how they were going to get her home since she wasn't wasn't ready to leave with me. The next day, I came back to get my car. Deontay wasn't even home. But that night, I had been texting and calling Alania to see if she had made it home, and I didn't get a response. At the time, I didn't think much of it because there'd been numerous times we'd gone out, and I would tell her to let me know when she gets home, and she doesn't. She gets home, goes to sleep, and will always hit me up the next day to tell me she's okay. But that text never came. I kept calling and calling, and her phone ended up being turned off. I was hoping she was just drunk and asleep at home, and her phone died while she was asleep, but I kept calling and sent some texts, and they just stopped going through. Her phone never turned back on. My text to her now turned green. I'd asked each of the men what time she left, and each gave me different stories and couldn't give me a set time that she left. They were also saying things like, maybe she just needed some time to herself, which is an absolute utter, which is absolute utter bullshit because in no world would Alanya just dip off on everyone. I had started contacting Alanya's close friends to see if anybody had heard from her and they didn't. I reached out to Jeanette, which is her mother, to see if Alanya had come home and she said, quote, wasn't home. So I can't say for sure. But when I came back, she wasn't home. We then reached out to her boyfriend to see if he'd heard from her, and he hadn't heard from her since lunch the day before. At this moment, we knew something was wrong. Alanya's close friends and I began calling all the hospitals and jails to see if she happened to be in one of those. And sadly, she wasn't. The next day, Peep, be quiet. <laughs> it hit 24 hours. I went to ABD to file a missing person case, but I was sent away because I was told a family member had to do it. So we waited for Jeanette to do that 
When the case was first started, I went to the apartment with Alanya's uncle and stood there for hours waiting on Deontay to come out, and he never did. I spent two days waiting at this complex for him to come out before I was told to leave by APD. And if I came back to the complex, was going to press charges on me, even though they knew exactly why I was there. However, in their defense, I was being a little crazy. I tried kicking down his door and threw numerous objects at his bedroom window, hoping I'd hit it. While we were there, I called APD to come out and do a wellness check to see if she was still in the apartment. We waited there for two and a half hours for them to do a wellness check. When they arrived, all they did was knock on the door. Said they had no probable cause to enter. Afterwards, her uncle and I had walked the complex sharing uh, sharing Alanya's story and hoped someone had seen her. While doing that, we met an incredibly sweet older lady who took it upon herself to go and bang on Deontay's door until he opened it. On August 3rd, he finally opened his door to the lady and allowed her to enter. She then FaceTimed me and walked me through the apartment, and Alanya was not in there. However, Deontay's apartment looked as if he was in the process of cleaning it out. All of the clothes from his closet were removed, food gone from the pantry, and his table and countertops were completely wiped down. And the lady who sat there with him for a while, uh, and the lady sat there, Talking with him for a while, asking questions about Alanya, and in the span of that 15-minute recording, he changed his story about five different times. He first started saying he thought she left with me, then it switched to she left at four, then it switched to she left in the morning, then he said he thought one of her pimps picked her up, and Alanya doesn't even have a pimp, and then he said she ordered herself an Uber. And that isn't even possible for Alanya because she doesn't have an ID or a debit card, so she can't even create an Uber account, let alone order one for herself. She relies on her friends and mom to order her Ubers. I'd asked him why they didn't order her an Uber like they were supposed to, and they tried to tell me she said she didn't need one. Well, Lonnie has no car, and yet again, when I was leaving, we were all in agreement that she was getting an Uber, so I'm not sure how we went from that plan to her suddenly not needing an Uber. When I questioned Stephen, he didn't have much to say. He tells me he left at 4 a.m. and came back at 8 a.m. and she apparently wasn't there. Now, what was he doing for those four hours? I have no idea. I asked multiple times and he dodged the question each time. I wish I had more information on this case, but the sad truth is that I don't. Even though the internet has turned this into an internet drama, I am utterly thankful I had went with her that night because if I wasn't, we would have no trace of Alanya. So I'm grateful for the information we do have and hopeful we all get answers soon. And then with that post, she I won't read them out because it's basically just recapping what she said, but we'll put them on the blog or something. But she posted her texts with Alanya's mom, just showing that she did put in the effort of being like, hey, like, have you seen her? And text with the two guys of her asking them, like, where is she? And them kind of just being like, oh, I thought you came and picked her up or I thought this person came and picked her up. And her being like, we're going to check the cameras and then being like, go ahead. I have nothing to hide. So we'll add those to the blog. There is an interesting, I'll just read it out quickly. I think it must be between Tori and Stephen. And he says, go ahead. I've got nothing to hide. And she said, you definitely do. That's why you've all got different stories. Like, where did you go at 4 a.m. for four hours? And he wrote, you're really starting to try me at this point. I've been cordial. I really hope you find your friend. And if there's anything physically I can do, let me know. And then she goes on to say, I'm sorry, she's never done this. It's incredibly out of character. And he writes, I'm not mad, just irritated. And she said, fuck your irritation. My friend is fucking missing. And then like it goes on. So she's posted everything. She's been very open and upfront with what her communication with these people has been. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to like make sure to read it because I know in 
when we first recorded the episode, there wasn't much info from her. So it kind of made her seem a little suspicious or like that she wasn't telling the full story. But it does seem like she actually is really trying and she like put out probably the most information we've seen about what happened that night. Yeah, it um it doesn't change my mind as to what happened. Like I still I feel like it supports what I believe happened that something happened. Yeah, definitely. With at least Deontay, prob- probably the two men and they've either moved her or done something with Alania. So I f- definitely feel like that supports that theory that we've mentioned in the other episode. Yeah, like something happened and they disposed of her body somehow. Or it could be trafficking again, but I I feel like it's unlikely. It seems like there was foul play. Yeah, and especially if she'd been going there for, like, months and it seems like she was sleeping with one of them. I don't know. I, yeah, I am glad. I, we have a follower called Atlanta Anna, and she was the one who sent us those. Um, she's been very helpful in the case oh, as yes. well. She knows a lot. So Big yeah, thank Very you. interesting. Yeah, so very curious about that one. All right, well, I guess that is everything for this episode. Feels like it was a long one. Yeah, been a long morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it probably feels longer because we had to do two calls before this too, so it might feel longer than it actually is. Um, All right, so everything will be on the blog as it always is. Those texts we'll put in Alanya's blog. We'll have the one on Eliza with all the screenshots and everything. Um, So check those out, truecrimesocietyblog.com. Follow us on Instagram at truecrimesociety. We post tons of updates there about different stories throughout the day. Pete, be quiet. (sighs) You're being very, very rowdy today. (laughs) Shush. Shush. She's so bratty. Do you hear her? (laughs) Yeah, I can hear her. She's being bossy. She's like, it's been too long. Hurry up. Um, Um, you could follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore Olivia's TCS Olivia, and they're in the True Crime Society bio. If you don't have a pen to write those down, um, leave us a nice review on Apple. It would be greatly appreciated. You could leave us a rating on Spotify, and always please share the podcast with people you know. Post it on your Instagram story. It's a really, really big help when you guys do that. Um, we share it, so... It's it's great. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just done today. <laughs> and if any of our sponsors are interesting to you or if you want a code or anything, just shoot us a message. Um, but check them out as well. And I think that's it. I don't know. My mind is, is ready to go to this wedding and eat food. That's all I, can I do have about. one one little thing to add. As you were talking, I was just on our Instagram. We got a message and I actually think it's quite important. It says, put a message in your podcast advocating for everyone to keep an eye out for each other. Do you see a distracted mum leaving a grocery store? Make sure she gets to her car safely. A woman alone getting gas, wait until she drives away. It just takes a moment and you never know anymore. So Aww, I do. That's really nice. Yeah, like I've seen, you know, a few other comments about like women who've seen other women out running, and there's might be a man behind them, so they go and kind of stand and watch and things like that. So it only takes a few seconds to watch out for someone and make sure that they get to where they're going safely. Yeah, all of us women, we gotta all protect each other and yes. and nice men too. But yes. we all gotta stick together. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll try to remind myself next time we record to say that at the start just in case people have turned it off at this point (laughs) all right but yeah so look out for each other thank you guys for listening uh we'll be back next time peace out see ya